We're Aaron and Dave Tashin, co-hosts of the Mindful Educators Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. District leaders nationwide have confirmed that online learning is here to stay. As one in five districts are planning to adopt or have already adopted a fully online school. With the evolving landscape in the competitive field of education, you might be wondering what you can do to stand out. Well, I encourage you to look into National Virtual Teacher Association, or NVTA, to pursue a college-accredited program recognized by states across the country to certify educators in online education. Their certification empowers educators to provide the world-class virtual instruction that every student deserves. Some of the topics to be covered in the certification include establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources. The NVTA certification process was created to establish a valid and reliable research-based teacher qualification training process for virtual teachers to enhance their teaching and develop their ongoing reflective skills to improve teaching capacity. NVTA certification is a challenging and meaningful process to support your personal and professional goals. NVTA is an affiliate partner for Teaching Learning Leading K-12. Click the link in the show notes or go to my webpage, stephenmaletto.com, find the NVTA logo and go to their website that way. And if you do that, if you buy something, Teaching Learning Leading K-12 gets a commission and I greatly thank you for that. So go check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Bruce Boys, the author of Cold Comfort, One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Powerful Opioid Drugs and Save Lives. That's right. He's back. And this time, after re-looking at his book, we're also going to talk about how the opioid crisis became worse in this year of the pandemic. It didn't go away. So much to learn today. Thanks for listening. And by the way, don't forget, it would be so awesome I really mean it. Just so awesome. If you went into that app that you're listening to me on, opened it up, went in there and rated and reviewed the podcast. Could you? Could you? Would you? Please. <laughs> Thank you so much. Enjoy. Hey, not so long ago, my uh, my wedding band broke. That's right. And it was unrepairable. Well, that was crazy. And, you know, and boonrings.com came to my rescue that's boon titanium rings you can find them at boonrings.com and uh by the way they're now a, an affiliate partner of ours but i also use them my wedding band is now one of their rings and it's really cool it's laser engraved and has these these neat stars on it and pistons but they came to my rescue and i gotta tell you what's really cool and it's in the name itself they make titanium rings this is not gonna break right <laughs> no way so not only can you have them personalized, but you can have them engraved, you can have them carved, you can have, uh, you can have them, uh, you know, designs with uh, um, wood, meteorite, stone, precious metals, acrylic, and uh, other inlays. You can also have uh, uh, these neat rings that, uh, I mean, just wait till you see the, the Black Zirconium and Stealth Series rings. I mean, those are just way too cool. And, and you know, and they also make some really cool tool earrings, pendants, and cufflinks. Yeah, Boon Rings is pretty cool. That's right. You got to go to boonrings.com and they're an affiliate partner of ours, which means that if you go to checkout and you use my code teaching learning leading K12. So you want to use all caps T L L K and the number 12. So once again, you use my code which is all caps T L L K and the number 12 
at checkout, you'll get a 10% discount. That's right. And uh, you'll help out the podcast because we'll get a commission. So go to boonrings.com. You'll be glad you did. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Bruce Boys worked for nearly 24 years in the pharmaceutical industry, first as a hospital representative and then as a sales manager in the Great Lakes region. After losing his job as a whistleblower, he spent portions of the next 17 years working with the United States Justice Department on two separate False Claims Act cases against his former employer, Cephalon Teva, a neurobiotech company. His story is told in a new book, Cold Comfort, One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Powerful Opioid Drugs and Save Lives. You can also hear my interview with Bruce on episode 308 of Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, talking about his book and the opioid crisis. Bruce, after exposing how Cephalon was illegally marketing off-label prescription drug usage, waited many years to see justice after wearing a wire, losing his job, becoming homeless, and blackballed by the pharmaceutical industry. At one point, he was flipping burgers for 10 bucks an hour just to get by. Cephalon settled a case many years later with the United States for $425 million in fines and damages. Today, he advocates on on behalf of whistleblowers and helps educate the public on the importance of supporting all whistleblowers. Boys began working at Carter Wallace in 1980. He earned the pharmaceutical company's highest sales award, President's Club, several times during his 16-year tenure. He often ranked in the company's top 20% in sales and trained field and hopeful sales representatives. He developed their first million-dollar territory and ranked as a top salesperson in the nation of Felbitol, an anti-epileptic drug. In 1996, he went to work for Cephalon Incorporated, and within two years, he ranked third in the company nationally in sales of all inline products. He worked with Medtronic to co-market several products. Among his accomplishments in working seven years with Cephalon Incorporated, he developed a team of 11 reports from a six-state region, including Chicago and Detroit, hired extensively throughout the nation during several expansions, spoke at numerous industry conventions to build product awareness, achieved $18 million in sales of a new product launch, and leading his sales region to be ranked number one nationally. Bruce earned a Bachelor of Arts from the Ohio State University and did graduate work in geoengineering at Akron Community. For more information, consult www.bruceboys.com. He lived He lived in Melbourne and Key West, Florida for a decade, but the Ohio native has lived most of his life in Columbus, Ohio. Bruce will be discussing today with me more about COVID and the opioid crisis and the most recent CDC status of opioid overdoses. Bruce, welcome back. Thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Hello, folks, and uh, thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad you're back. And, uh, And Bruce, we talked last time on episode 308 of my podcast you know, about your incredible journey that, uh, to stop unethical practices that were helping drive the opioid, o- opioid crisis. Your pursuit to expose the bad practices is covered in your book, Cold Comfort, One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Power Opioid Drugs and Save Lives. Today, we're going to talk about the problem that has not gone away and the possibilities of new issues with the chase to address the pandemic. But what I would like to do first is define a few items uh, and concepts before we go any further. So let's start with what is an opioid? An opioid is a substance and it, it, it is on um, the opioid receptor site in the brain. And it's usually used uh, for uh, pain. Uh, it used to be called narcotics. 
Uh, now, um, it doesn't come from the, the, the uh, codeine. It is a synthesized analog. Gotcha. So, because I, I, I think a lot of people, that's interesting what you just said, because I think a lot of people, kind of the, the terms, it's like, well, this must be something new. Um, oh, there's new part, new drugs, I guess, associated with it, but it's in a category that they might be acquainted with, I guess. Yes. Interesting. Thank you. So the next thing I want you to, to explain is the False Claims Act and its focus on healthcare. Could you kind of go through that a little bit about what it is? Uh, sure. The False Claims Act is really what used to be called Lincoln's Law. Uh, the False Claims Act is a, a way for the government, it's a tool for the government to be able uh, to go after perpetrators, whether it's a company or whether an individual that defrauds the government programs. For example, Medicare, Medicare, CAID, um, those type programs. So it really is a, 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 an interesting statute, statute that, that winds up uh, allowing a citizen, private citizen, uh, to act sort of like an attorney general in a civil case, not in a criminal case, but in a civil case. Gotcha, because this, this is going to play a big role in what's going to happen. Yes. Right. And so, uh, and so one more term that I want you to explain is what does it mean to promote a drug off-label? Promoting a drug off-label. Off-label prescriptions can be written by a physician that's legal. A physician has a patient that has a certain medical condition and they've tried all the gold standard basically of therapy and has failed. The, the doctor can go to a, a product that it looks promising in an off-label situation that may help that patient. The physician uh, can, and, and most times it's a, it's a common practice that a physician would off-label a script um, on, a, on a product that would help a patient. Where it's unlawful is when a company promotes off-label. That's what's unlawful. Gotcha. So, the, so that's what we're kind of like a, in a, in something here that uh, I would think that the common person doesn't have a clue what, what this is, that this goes on. Uh, generally, yes. In fact, you know, the, after, after having the book out and, and, and promoting uh, the, the whistleblowers and, and what goes on with a whistleblower and I try to explain that to the public. What has really happened is, is that I've, my, my focus now is patient advocacy, uh, especially with uh, patients that have been addicted or uh, family members that have lost loved ones and overdose. And so I've worked nationally with different groups and to speak and to talk about that. And, and one of the things is that awareness, it's, it's great to, so that folks understand some of this information and, and how that affects their lives. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause it, cause I can imagine it's you know, <laughs> depending on what level of these uh, drugs that you're going to start needing, dealing with pain and such that so much of this would be just so not a concept that many of us are uh, dealing with uh, and understanding what goes on within the business of it. So, you know, one of the things I'd like you to do now is, so we're going to talk about what happened um, along the way. So you were a very successful salesperson, as I read in the beginning, and it, in this pharmaceutical company. Could you talk about what you discovered? 
what occurred was that I was an area manager at the time with this pharmaceutical company and uh, Cephalon. And that uh, it seemed that some of the districts were making a lot of bonus for the reps and they were, they were promoting um, one of the drugs. Um, it was an anti-epileptic drug off-label. And it was, they, they were, you know, obviously it's for seizures and it was, they promoted it for anxiety and promoted it to psychiatry. And so to me, that was completely off-label, illegal. I don't know. And I thought it was a manager that went rogue and the company wasn't paying attention. So what I did was that I, when I first discovered this, I thought, well, we'll correct this and the company will, will run right again and I'll save my job and save the company. And that's not what occurred. What occurred was that it was a company-wide program and it came from the top down. Wow. Wow, because suddenly what's going to happen is, and this is what, this is what you've written about in your book, um, because in, in your book, Cold Comfort, One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Powerful Opioid Drugs and Save Lives, I mean, it would be an understatement to say that your life was turned upside down now, right? Oh my gosh, yes. I, I thought that I'd fall a little off the cliff and I'd have to recover, but I'd always landed on my feet. I, I, I did really well in the industry. I was at the top group in the industry. Most, most companies I was in I would win President's Club. I, you know, only worked for two companies in my life career-wise. And so I won President's Club in both companies and promoted and so I figured I'd just be able to go to another company. And um, that didn't happen that way, did it? No, no. Yeah. Matter of fact, they pretty much sought revenge against you, I guess, it would be the best. Well, what they did is that they understood that I was working with the feds. And, you know, I can remember interviewing for a director of training for one company in this period of time when, when they found out I was, I was working for the feds. And, and they actually called the company and told them to get me out of the, uh, out of their home office. I was escorted. I, I was taken out of by security people and just placed right on the street. I was done. Wow. And I was voted for a director of training for this company. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So blackballed for sure. Definitely. I mean, it, it, so can you talk a little bit, cause that's, I mean, that's when, I mean, so as all this goes down and like you talked about a little while ago, you, you know, you, you wear a wire, you work with these agents and so forth. And, and eventually, you know, all this works out where they've, they gather this information and eventually, can you just, can you discuss a little bit about what happened in the courts and how long this took as well as, you know, what was so different this time when it, it came to getting the attention of the corporations and individuals involved, as opposed to like past situations that happened? Um, what, what occurred with this is that, uh, like I said, I was just trying to save my job. When that didn't work, a nurse called and said, hey, look, you know, would you be interested in doing something about it? And I, I, I went like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, little did I know her sister was FBI. And so, <laughs> and so what occurred is that she passed the name on to FBI. FBI then passed it on to OCI, OCI's Office Criminal Investigation. That's the FBI of the FDA. And so they're the same guys that wear the badges and, and the guns and the whole nine yards. They got a hold of me, and I thought I would just turn over the information. And if I turned over the information, then the company gets straightened out and move on. And little did I know that that's not how it works. They wanted me to wear a wire, and 
when that started, that whole process, um, they try to protect you as best as you can. But most of the time what occurs is that you, you lose your job, you get blackballed and you don't get back in the industry. And then and unless you are quick on your feet, you know, that's what happens in the book. I say that I, you know, flip burgers for $10 an hour cash. And that's the only way I survived. It's wild. And you, and you actually had to, didn't you lose your vehicles and end up with a bicycle and I didn't have anything other than a bicycle. Wow. The, uh, uh, so ultimately, ultimately the settlement in the court in the courts becomes, and this is, I mean, can you, I mean, how many years are we talking about here between the time that you talked right. and the, uh, with them and they started doing this? Uh, it was over 15 years. Uh, the first, the first case settled in four years. Um, I worked, I worked and that I wanted to back up to that. I worked almost two years as an undercover informant. So I wasn't a whistleblower right away, but most people don't realize is that you're not really a whistleblower. You, you really are an undercover informant. And so I wasn't even looking at being a whistleblower. I had no idea what a whistleblower was. And so at this time, all I was doing was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, you know, do what's right and straighten this out. And, you know, I, I was, I was afraid that people would overdose and die, which they did. And I, I decided, well, I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do is that I'm just gonna pass the information on along the wire. Well, little did I know that this all falls apart when you do that. But the other is that I worked almost two years with the government before I, be, before I got a lawyer and became a whistleblower. Wow. Okay. So I built the case. That's why the first case, you know, I had great lawyers, but, but the first case went through pretty well because the company wasn't expecting somebody to collect evidence on them for the wrongdoing. Now, the second case, the company didn't pay attention and just kept doing what they were doing before. And so the government actually came back to me and said, hey, are you willing to do a second case? And, and Steve, I, I turned around and I said, there's no way. I don't want to do a second case. And they'd already been fined $425 million for the first case of fraud, right? And that's why, it, and it took 10 years for the second case. Wow. It, and, and so this time when it happens, and um, there's more than just the fine, right? There's, I mean, there's, do we kind of have a dismantlement of this corporation or I mean, what, or is it no, still? No, no, quite the opposite. What occurs, what occurred with this is that Teva has been in the news. Teva, Teva bought Cephalon. And so Teva was responsible for that second case. Well, what occurred is that, you know, Teva was pretty much a militant defense. And so they did everything they could. And, and you know, the government's not interested. So when I, when I say in the book, you know, issues of the FDA and the court system and all that, you know, if it's not a low hanging fruit, then the Justice Department moves on. We've already fined them once, we're, we're done. Um, you know, the FDA allowed them to bring forth to the market a second fentanyl product. Why in the world did they do that? They were being investigated for fraud. Why would you allow a company to wind up? And that's why I say in the book is that we, we have to take a hard look at that. What are we doing? in the FDA, who's being appointed in the FDA, you know, and strengthen the False Claims Act. Because right now the False Claims Act has been weakened by political hacks. So those are some of the other issues that we need to look at. 
Gotcha. So let's kind of pick up from there because so in, you know, and so basically, you know, let's, it's kind of interesting because for the longest time, the opioid crisis was constantly on the front line. I mean, you, you heard about, you couldn't, you couldn't go anywhere in a daytime without hearing something about what was happening with people overdosing and dying from, uh, from these addictive drugs. And, and then the pandemic hit. Right. And next thing you know, is that the news media went, Oh, Hey, something new. That's a little more needs our attention more than that. Did the opioid problem go away? Nope. It got worse. Uh, so Bruce, I knew, you know, you know, we were talking about it. it's gotten, it's gotten the opioid crisis didn't go away. It's gotten worse. Can you talk a little bit about the numbers? I mean, what's going on? You know, what do those numbers look like? Well, in, in perspective, what's going on is that you're having increases in all categories on the numbers. Uh, in 2019, you had 71,000 opioid overdoses. In, in 2020, you had 81,000 plus in opioid overdoses. So those numbers are going up and I expect in 2021, they'll be higher. Also, you have over 500 billion in economic loss from the opioid crisis alone. You have um, probably 50, 55, 550,000 total deaths from 98 on. And so if you, if you wanna look and, and how that affects your society, those are huge numbers that, that we're just not paying attention to. And, and you're gonna have those kind of issues, not just the opioid crisis moving forward, but also issues of within the medical community on oncology and cardiovascular disease and other areas. So it's, it, we just need to do more than just you know one thing. We need to walk and chew gum at the same time. It's it's so powerful what you're talking about because you know one of the things that uh, you know has happened during this time uh, is that you know it did, it did especially in the beginning it really got scary about whether I mean just as a side note I had a dental appointment and I'm like you know the worst thing in the world is canceling a dental appointment because uh, you don't know when you're going to get back in the chair again and um, and they they actually put it off for just a little bit and then. When I went in, it was kind of funny. I kind of felt like a scene out of E.T. When the, if you ever saw that movie with all the guys in their big suits and everything, and, and they're in their suits all looking down at me with these lights. And I'm like, E.T. phone home, you know, it's like, um, but I, yeah, they worked on me because I had some dental issues that had to be straightened out. And it's like, wow. And, but, you know, for that, you know, the same reason that people weren't getting haircuts, they weren't going to the doctor. Well, I mean, I know you're kind of talking about that. Yeah. They, they, you know, you, you have people everybody's getting these vaccinations and they feel better about it. So on one side, you, you feel, oh, I've got a vaccination. So now I'm empowered with that. But 85% but of the population stills afraid. And so even though you've got this high number of vaccinations, you have basically scared the hell out of the American people. And they still, and they still are gonna do things that don't make medical sense but you need to have, you need to be proactive in getting people back into hospitals, back to see the doctors and get on with, if you've got cardiovascular symptoms, you need to go see a cardiologist. You, you need to see an oncologist if, if you think there's something going on um, as far as um, with a cancer. And so, and so those kind of things that the population needs to start 
up again, because as we know with cancer, preventive medicine is a, is a number one deal for that, that, that you can increase your survival rate by get, catching something early. Well, if you're not going to the doctor and you're afraid to go to the doctor because of COVID, what, what you've got is that you, you really have, you, you may survive COVID. <laughs> you may die of something else, right, right? Right, right. Right, so it's really important message that you know, folks need to, to focus on that. And, and even my own brother, I, I'm getting back in the, and seeing a doctor and helping with some of the things that he needs to take care of. So that's really important. Wow, so why do you think it's, the numbers are continuing to rise so severely? I, I think, I think the, there's several factors. I think one is that I, I think there needs to be a, a better view from a government standpoint and laws involved in prescribing. I don't say that the doctors aren't doing what they're supposed to. I just think there, there can be a more responsible view of, of how many of these that, that they're prescribing and who they're prescribing to. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in, in, in that viewpoint, I'm sure they're, they're working at that. But the other thing that occurred at the same time of this is that with COVID, there's a lot of stress in society that COVID hit and people are afraid, you know, and rightly so, COVID was killing people. And, and so you've got issues of depression, anxiety issues, you have drug use that increased, you have alcoholism that increased in this period. So all, all those manifested itself in, in just really horrible numbers for, for society. And I expect 2021 will be higher even yet. Wow. Wow. It's, and I can see why, I mean, especially in areas where people have been locked in and uh, continue right. to be that way. And, you know, it's, uh, after a while, it's just, you can only take so much, uh, electronic entertainment and such and uh right. you know right just, you, you'd only see so many reruns of Gunsmoke. that's all i gotta say yes exactly oh no you start uh, being able to repeat the the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what they're gonna say hey i know what Festus is gonna say next here we go you know <laughs> um anyway the uh, so bruce what do you see as some possible challenges or issues that could sprout with drugs manufactured to treat the population of our country and get them through the pandemic? Uh, you know, I, I think the, the, there's several things that have occurred that have it's been really fascinating. Uh, one is that you got to step back into what is a clinical study, what goes on phase one, two, three, um, what they do for to find side effects and whether the drug is safe, basically in phase three, right? So, so what is going what has been going on has been before was no, a normal process that took forever to do and what we've got is this you know great collaboration worldwide on the vaccination that has come out in a really short period of time so so one let's not let's not forget that it's prudent to take time with products coming out to the public to be safe and to understand what the side effects are, and and also to make sure there's no idiosyncratic reaction involved in some of the pharmaceutical products. 
So that's one side. The other, the other side in a positive view is that, especially with, within immunology that, that the vaccination and the researchers are working in, you know, are we, can we collaborate with the world and do a better job in producing, whether it's a vaccination or a pharmaceutical product that helps with, for example, cancers or cardiovascular disease. So there's a number of things that maybe can be hopeful on the horizons with that. Gotcha. And I, you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Someone asked me, uh, uh, we were having a discussion about whether you would get the vaccination or not. And, right. and one of the, the topics that came up, cause he's, this gentleman's in his eighties. And he said, you know, when I was a kid, you, nobody questioned, you know, the, the government told you to go get the vaccination right. you did. And, you know, and, uh, and right. we had a discussion centered around that. And, you know, I, I'm a former soldier. I remember when I had to get these shots and I'm pretty sure that they stuck a lot of stuff in me. I'm not sure what all of it was, but you know, it's like, you didn't have a choice. You just went and did right. it. Right. And, uh, you want to stay in the army? Well, get the shots. Get the shot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, but yet, uh, this go right, you know, there's, there's some little consternation about some of this. I mean, and some of it's going on now and I could see where that might play into the role of whether people, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to tell you everything that's really happening or not, I guess is what my point is. I mean, well, there, there, there's, there's certainly, there's a lot of back and forth between different sides of issues. And you have to be careful what the word and the nomenclature people use to, to help you give direction of what the truth is. And so, so a lot of times you have to parse a lot of information to see what is really happening. Like, for example, the big issue about the vaccination. Now, come on, folks. Pfizer, Modera, all of them now Johnson & Johnson with a single dose. You know, the, the, I think it was the Pfizer dose that was 30,000 patients involved in the study worldwide. Now you would have, if there was problems, some kind of problem show up with something like that. Okay. And, and, and that's the, and I don't think people realize that a large study in pharmaceutical in phase three is like 300 people. Wow. And so, and so a thousand would be a really large study <laughs> that would give you statistical information, right? right? So statistic and significance involved in a study gives you whether it works or not, right? And right. so when you do on a study of 30,000 people, you know, you should feel a little bit confident that, that it's going to work. And especially if they haven't found any side effects at this point, it, it should work pretty well. Now, the uh, Pfizer product after second dose is 97 or 98% effective, which is a pretty good number. <laughs> so, I, I th and, and, and so what happens with COVID once you get a vast majority of your population inoculated basically is, is you know, you have a resistance to the disease and it's almost, you can almost compare it to the polio vaccination years ago. That's how I would Gotcha. Gotcha. Cause it's, I mean, it's an interesting thought about it. And you know, it's funny is I, I can tell you myself, I was questioning and you know, part of it, I got to tell you, you know, I, I'd interviewed you, I've read your book and yeah. uh, 
you start thinking about what people are telling you, what's going on here and stuff like that. It start questioning things. And then I, and then someone said to me, like I said, they were, there's, they reminded me about being in the army and getting all the shots. And I went, okay, you made your point. Where well, you know, like, here's the other thing too, that comes out of it. You get in, you get the uh, vaccination and, and basically, you know, you're 97, 98%, the, the vaccination's effective. The psychological effect of that is, is powerful. That, that, oh my gosh, you mean I, I don't have to hunker down and watch gun smoke again? Yes, definitely. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, and it is just a note. I mean, I, I actually, you know, George has got these stations set up and I went and got mine yesterday and mine was the Johnson and Johnson one. So I got the one shot in the arm and, uh, you know, it was, I, other than it. your shoulder, maybe a little sore, right? Right. And actually it's not too bad. I, I right. didn't have uh, some of the other stuff and I didn't have any other real problems, but, uh, but it was, uh, but yeah, I got a good, good dose of, uh, all right, feeling good now. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, not bad. So I, I do have to let you know though, as I was preparing to talk with you again, I kept thinking, yeah, yeah okay. What, uh, but so anyway, <laughs> move, I'll move right along. Um, so let's talk about this because we kind of touched on this just a little bit earlier. What, what do you think needs to be done to strengthen the FDA and the law so that consumers are better protected against the unethical or illegal practices of some of the phar pharmaceutical companies? Well, the number one issue with that, Steve, has got to be the, the False Claims Act. I think, I think if they went back in and strengthened the False Claims Act, and let me just do a brief, brief overview of why I think it's a little weaker now. Okay. The, the government screwed up with... Uh, it's called the Carolina decision, and it was a fault. It was a First Amendment issue, and and that that case, I don't think the government was prepared to to defend, and they lost the case. And the pharmaceutical company at that time won the case, and it was an issue of First Amendment rights. And so and so the the company is taking an individual First Amendment issue. And, and overlaying it to a corporate First Amendment issue, okay? So, so the corporation has a right to free speech. And so those, those disseminating information pieces may be the, 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 the focus of an unlawful off-label marketing. So with that, I, th I think what needs to happen is that you need to go back in and say, whoa, wait a minute, you can have an individual, but are we really willing to allow corporations to have a free speech or first amendment rights when they're doing wrong? Like in, in, in most criminal acts, you know, if somebody does that, then that, you know, I, th I think that that's something you need to look at. And, and Senator Grassley is the one that uh, in the Senate that has promoted the False Claims Act. So if, if people wanted to, they need to get a hold of Senator Grassley and they need to say, hey, look, we need to have a stronger False Claims Act so we can protect the citizens from uh, fraud like this. So let's talk about this. I mean, so that's talking about the FDA and the law and all that sort of stuff. How about consumers? How can they protect themselves and their family members from bad advice driven by these unethical practices? I, I think one of the things that we don't do as a society, and I don't, it's almost like this American thing, I'm gonna do it myself. 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm just going to keep on going. Okay. I think people need to ask questions when they go into the doctor, write the questions down. Is this a drug you're prescribing for me? An off label in indication. Ask what, it, what am I getting? What are you prescribing? Why are you giving it to me? You know what? And I, I think people in general just wind up not asking enough questions about their own health. And I think that has a lot to do with what's going on now with me and just being a patient advocate is that, you know, there's just so little of that and so little that there's so much needed for education. Gotcha. That's uh, it makes perfect sense. Cause I mean, you just described, you just kind of described me I almost fell in my chair. It's like, yeah, I just, I'm going to go on and do this well, on my you own. You went into the army and you just took the shot, didn't you? Exactly. You just, you exactly. You're, Steve, you're an educator. No questions. <laughs> right. Not then. It's like, Not then. right. <laughs> I just got in line, got and in line. on e either side of you. And they stuck you in one arm and shot you in the other arm. And then they stuck you in another, arm. you know, it's like, what the heck, man? <laughs> Yeah, that was a fun experience. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't ask any questions because it's just what you had to do, you know? <laughs> right. right. And I think that's, and I think people, if they did a better job of that for themselves, they get better answers. I got you. Just need to be proactive. Yeah, it, 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 it just makes me wonder, like today, would I be asking those questions as opposed to then? Because we've had a lot of interesting experiences in the last bunch of years. So, uh, well, yeah, thanks for talking about that. You know, we're getting close to, to finishing up, Bruce, but one of the things that I want to make sure that I ask you is that um, why should someone read your book? Your book is Cold Comfort, One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Powerful Opioid Drugs and Save Lives. I, I think the first issue is that you want to read about what a whistleblower goes through. This is what, this is what the, the, it's a great book for that. You want to see what the inside look looks like uh, when you wear a wire and work for the government to basically try to stop fraud. You want to get an idea of what and how callous the companies can be for greed and how it doesn't make any difference in what they view as far as, oh, that's below the 1% mortality rate. So I think we're good, but you're promoting off-label and people are overdosing on this drug. So those are some of the things that, and that's the, and I don't think there's any question that that was the beginning of the opioid crisis was those off-label promotions, not just, not just Cephalon with uh, a fentanyl product, but also Purdue and Oxycontin and, and, and Subsys and Insys that they, you know, the CEO went to federal prison for. So, so those are the, that's the beginning. Now, what is going on now is it's coming across the border. It's being manufactured in Mexico and China. And, and you know, the big, the big thing now, Steve, and, and this is, we'll leave this for another time, but uh, methamphetamine is now the big thing coming in. Wow. That's messed up. <laughs> yeah, very much so. You know, it's uh, uh, one of the things that uh, I just can't imagine. I mean, you, you've, it's been a lot of years since that whole process started, but you gave all your time and commitment. I mean, you, you hear all the awards you won and everything, you were really good at what you were doing. And then to have the rug pulled out from under you to, to go, you know, the, these crazy people that I've been working for, what are they doing? And, and then uh, to have that world come crashing down as you try and do the right thing. And, 
it kind of seems like it's not quite like they show you on TV. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's more like when you got a shot in the army, you just got moved right through, right? It's like, it happened. So it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you think afterwards, is this really what I want to do? Did I really plan to do this? No, I did not. I didn't. I did not. I mean, did I think I was going to write a book about this? No. I mean, my league counsel 10 years ago told me it's a great story. You got to write this. And I just couldn't bring myself to write it. Wow. Wow. The, uh, uh, it's just amazing what you, what you've gone through. Bruce, I can't thank you enough for talking with me today. It's great catching up with you again. And I appreciate you sharing information about how, you know, it hasn't gone away. We're still, you know, the opioid crisis is still there and it's gotten worse, not, not better. Nope. And, uh, and, uh, so your book, cold comfort, one man's struggle to stop the illegal marketing of powerful opioid drugs and save lives. I mean, is a powerful book uh, unto itself. I mean, you sacrifice so much to help make sure that others were protected and those that knew better were taught a lesson. And I can't thank you enough for your sacrifices. And thank you for taking time to remind us that the opioid crisis, you know, it's still there and that the potential still exists for a new crop of unethical practices in the world of the pursuit of treatment for the pandemic that could still pop up in there. Yep. Yep. I'm wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you very much. Just anybody listening, um, they want to get a hold of me, bruceboyce.com. Awesome. I'll have that link in the show notes for you. So. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Steve. Wouldn't it be great to have a day to renew, rethink, and reboot in these unprecedented times? That's the mission of the Impact Summit. This will be a moving forward next day, implementable, every learner can be successful kind of day. Register your team today at impacteducationsummit.com. The date, June 23rd. The organizer is Susie Pepper Rollins, three-time author and national presenter. Just head to impacteducationsummit.com for details. Hey, did you know that you can buy me a soft drink? That's right. By going to buymeacoffee.com slash Stephen Maletto, you can support Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 by making a donation. And it's really cool. I got this little cool uh, soft drink cup right there. <laughs> that would be so awesome if you'd do that. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash Stephen Maletto, and you can help support Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12. Thank you so much. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.